Hey, well, welcome everybody to Church Online, Velocity Online. So glad you're joining us today. And we've got some friends with us, some guests with us. Go ahead and make some noise. Glad you're here. Uh, we are coming right into your living room and snuggling up with you on the couch. Forget social distancing. We are getting cozy virtually. And, uh, but we're so glad that you're tuning in. Uh, I want to give you just a little report on last week. Last week was the first time we've ever done online streaming as a church and doing church at home. And what I want to tell you is we had over 1,000 people join us last week. Isn't that incredible? We couldn't even fit that many people in our regular services. And it's just so cool to see the way that God is using this pivotal time to really reach even more people. So I want to encourage you right now to even join in. We had over 300 people join in in the conversation. So if you're watching right now, click to sign into the chat. Just let us know that you're here. We're so glad you're here. We want to welcome you. And do me one more favor and invite somebody. Just there's a little button that you can, you can hit and share this message. Invite them to join you at Velocity Online. You know, when we started this last week, there was a lot of uncertainty. You know, we didn't know uh, was this something that was just going to be a week or two. We didn't know if this was just going to be a little blip on the radar and then we're back to normal. But since then, things have continued to evolve and we've had schools shut down. We've had businesses shut down. We've had entire industries turned upside down. And there's just a lot of fear and understandably so. Some people have lost jobs. And the first thing that I want you to know is that I've been praying for you. You've been on my mind. I've been thinking about the different things you're going through. I've been talking to so many of you. I've listened to what's happening in your world. And I want you to know how I've been praying for you. I've been praying for your peace. I've been praying for those of you who are worried about your finances, that you would have confidence in God and experience his provision in this moment right now. Uh, I've been praying for all the parents that are finally finding themselves homeschool teachers. My wife is one of them. Um, I'm praying for those of you who are at risk to remain healthy. But most of all, I'm praying that your faith grows, that you're strengthened and that your roots grow deep over these next several weeks. Uh, you know, during the winter, the tree actually has its sap reversed and we've got someone who works with farmers in the house, so she knows this well, but the, the fruit and the leaves disappear, but the roots grow. Yeah. So even though the tree looks dead from the outside, the truth is it's never been healthier. And here's the thing, some of the things in your life might look a little different. In fact, from the outside, it might look like you're not flourishing, but what looks fruitless to you is actually fertile ground for your roots to grow. And God wants you to grow in this season. And it's really because of those things that our team has spent this week really just completely rethinking our approach to how we can best serve all of you during this time and reach even more people with the message of hope and the message of Jesus. And what I can promise you is that you are going to get the best digital church experience that you can find anywhere. So if you are joining us and you live in Lawrence or Douglas County, uh, we want to say welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you're joining us from somewhere else in the world, as we know that there are many of you doing that right now out there, 
We're glad you're here and we really want to be your local church yeah. online. So yeah. we're so glad to have you with us. We just want you to know that you're among friends. Now, there's some of you who are joining us right now. You are brand new to church. You've never been to church before in your life. And what you're discovering and what you're going to discover through this brand new method, uh, I can promise you that you are going to like what you find. And in fact, I want to share with you a story that I got sent to me just this past week. Uh, this is what it said. It, it said, uh, I'm from Minnesota and I go to school here, but I was planning on coming on Sunday, but was sent home due to the virus. I loved the online service. I was raised Catholic, but stopped going because I didn't feel good enough for God. I've been looking for a church to go to for a while. Even though I was bummed, I couldn't attend in person. I'm excited to call this my new church. So you don't know the difference that you're making just by inviting somebody to be a part of this online experience. It really is touching people's lives. And so I want to thank you for doing that. Now, I want to get into our scripture today. So if you have your Bibles or you're following along, you can go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter one. And we're going to start in verse 12. Now, this passage has really ministered to me. Uh, and this passage, Paul has been confined and uh, he's been put on house arrest. And I know that the Bible is lots of times hard to relate to. Uh, you probably are having a hard time imagining what it was like living during this time. But um, if, if, you, if you can get yourself in this mindset, I, I want you to put yourself in Paul's situation. So in Philippians chapter one, verse 12, uh, let's look at what he says. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Now, that's strange to me because it's not like Jesus is the one who put him in chains. You know, it's not like God is the one who does bad stuff in our life. So it's interesting to me that he says, I'm put here because it tells me that he doesn't see himself as stuck. He sees himself as stationed. It's a perspective shift. And I've wondered, what would it look like if you looked at your situation right now, not as an accident, but as an assignment? Well, let's keep reading. He, he says, the former, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. In other words, things aren't happening that way that Paul would want them to happen. He, he didn't choose this. He doesn't have control of the situation. Nevertheless, he's made a choice not to let the situation control him. He says, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. For I know 
that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I like the way the New Century Version says this. It says that because of this, because you're praying for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ is helping me, I know that my trouble will bring me freedom. Now, I don't know about you, but I found a new appreciation for Paul's letter when I read this scripture this week. And I want to use this text today to speak to you from this subject, what this takes now. That's what I'm calling my sermon, what this takes now. Because all of us, we're facing some new challenges. We're facing some new territory. There are a lot of unknowns. And a lot of us have been handed a situation that we don't know what to do with. I don't know if you've ever been handed something that you didn't know what to do with. Like for me, um, usually people get me some really great gifts, but I've been told that I can be hard to shop for. So, um, so now people will just give me gift cards, which is great because like gift cards, you can use them anywhere. Um, but it's really great like when somebody knows you and they put a lot of thought into the gift and like my wife, Marissa, she's a really great gift giver. She puts so much thought into it. Uh, but sometimes you get given something, you get handed something that you don't know what to do with. For me, like it usually happens around weddings, like you, you do your wedding registry, but for whatever reason, like somebody thinks they know better than you. You've gone to all the work, you've, you've made a list, you've picked it out, you've handed it to them, but they are still going to get you a juicer at the end of the day. <laughs> well, what do you do with a, with a juicer? Nobody really knows. But uh, I'm just saying sometimes you get gifts that are amazing. Sometimes you get things that you wouldn't normally choose. And what we see in this text with Paul is he's handed something that he wouldn't choose. He doesn't have control of the situation, but he's been handed something that he wouldn't choose. When we meet him, it's not a present that he's been given. It's a prison. He, he's locked up. He's confined. He can't go out anywhere. And, and this is hard for somebody who wants to preach the gospel. This is hard for somebody who's a preacher, who wants to raise up leaders, who wants to build churches and He's making the best of this situation. We meet him in Philippians. He, he's locked up in prison because he's been falsely accused of some things that he didn't do. I'm going to say that again. He's been locked up in prison because he's been falsely accused of some things that he didn't do. And now he's, he's riding back home to this church that he started. Now, it might be worth mentioning that this church that he started was the first church that he started in Europe. It's the church at Philippi. And the way he started this church, it's really interesting because, see, he was having some meetings and they actually locked him up in prison when he started this church. And what happened in this situation is he started praying and he started praising God and God sent an earthquake and his chains were broken. His chains came loose and not just his chains, but everybody's chains around him, which... This isn't even really the point of my sermon, but I do think it's worth pointing out 
that this is why we do worship, even at the beginning of our live stream. Like this isn't just something to make the service longer. It's not just something to get you in the mood. Like worship is an integral part to connecting with God and growing spiritually. And I know sometimes we feel like what we need is a word from God for our situation. But can I tell you what we really need to do is worship God in our situation. Now that's not my sermon, but I'm just telling you that the worship is integral to, to the message that you can't separate the two. Now, normally when we look at Paul, we're seeing him on one of his missionary journeys, but where we catch up with him right here, it's a little different because he's in a prison cell. Now scholars debate where he was at in prison because Paul, if you don't know, he was thrown in prison kind of a lot. And some people think he was in Caesarea. Some people think that he was in Rome, but it's really more likely that he was in Rome because when he was in Rome, he was under a form of house arrest where he could teach everyone who would come to him and the Philippian church knew that he was in prison, but these latest developments, they had the community really shaken up. All the news that, you see, news back then was different. They didn't have quality journalism like we have now that you can trust. And so they really didn't know what was happening. And, and, and now this person that they've trusted to lead them in the gospel is in quarantine. So they're worried about it. And Paul says to them, look, I need you to know something about what's happened. And what had happened was Paul has now moved from his house arrest to this palace guard where they would keep prisoners while they were waiting for their trial. And so church at Philippi, they're hearing this secondhand information. They're, they're worried about it. Paul writes to them and says, no, I want you to hear this straight from me. Here's what has happened. But then what's interesting is he doesn't go into the, all the details about what's happened. Instead of, of going on to describe all of the facts, how he's been falsely accused, how he's been imprisoned for his faith, all this stuff that's preventing him from doing the work and the plans that he had to do. Instead of saying all that, he says, hey, I want you to know what's happened to me, but I also want you to know what it takes now. And this is the first thing that you need to know. We see it in Paul's letter. He says, what this takes now is faith. This, this takes faith. He doesn't spend the next 14 verses rehashing all of the details because the things that have happened, they're out of his control. And since he can't change what's happened to him, he makes a swift transition and he says, let me talk to you about why it's happened. And he starts talking about the very first thing that my kids want to know the moment they start learning to use their words, which is why. And they want to know about every decision and every bedtime and every curfew and every rule. It's why. Well, Paul says in verse 12, he says, I, I want you to know. And then in verse 14, that because of my chains, now, it says most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, instead of giving them a description of his current state, he gives them a declaration of his current faith. And I, I like this because faith is really an interpretation. See, Paul's faith didn't change what had happened to him, 
But his faith did change the way he interpreted why it happened to him. It didn't affect his what, it informed his why. Now, we just wrapped up a series called Learning to Listen, where we're learning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things you learn about the Holy Spirit as you read scripture is that the Holy Spirit is our interpreter. What that means is that he helps you take a situation. And instead of starting with what, he helps you start with why. And here's the secret that you need to know, that you can survive any what if you have a strong enough why. You can survive any what if you have a strong enough why. See, the reason people give up and get anxious and get scared and worry when all hell breaks loose because they didn't have a strong enough why. And the reason Paul wasn't confused when he's stuck in chains is because he had determined his purpose before he had ever been put into prison. See, you need a why. And here's the thing. Lots of times when people find themselves in crisis, they call out to God and they ask why. God, why is this happening to me? I don't understand. But can I tell you, God has already given you the why. He's put you on earth to glorify him. So whatever happens to you, you already know the why before you see the what. Let, let me just tell you that regardless of what happens, I've already determined my, my why. I'm, I'm here to glorify God. I'm here for his purpose. That's my why. You, you can't take my why. You can't disrupt. You can disrupt my life, but you can't take my why. My why is my why. You, you can't have my why. I've got deep motivation and, se- and a sense of purpose. My life has a larger meaning. I'm here for his glory. I'm here to bring him pleasure. That's my why. And there is no what in the world that can defeat you if you know your why. You can go into any situation knowing that this is what it takes now. It takes faith. You see, faith is everything in situations like this. Paul says, hey, I know you're hearing a lot about what's going on, but I don't want you to view this as a setback because it's actually a setup. He says, it is actually served to advance the gospel. So, so, so don't get it twisted. This isn't a bad thing. This is something God is using. This is actually moving me forward. This is what progress looks like in my life. And sometimes you just have to look at what's around you and recognize that it is not that it can't hold a candle to what's in you. So I want to encourage you. Don't let what you think is holding you back make you miss what's in front of you. See, it takes faith to look forward. It takes faith to focus. And that's why the second thing I want to tell you is this. What this takes now is vision. What this takes now is vision. And I need you to see this because, you see, when Paul is writing to the church, he's writing to them about freedom while he's in prison. What a crazy perspective to have. It tells me that I can see promise in the midst of my problems. I can see hope when my world looks like hell, right? I can see my situation. And when everything is restricted, I can find rest. That's the power of choosing to see your situation as something God can use. 
Now, now this doesn't make sense to our natural mind, right? Because in our natural mind, Paul could preach to so many more people if he wasn't tied up in these chains. Like Paul could do so much more for the kingdom of God, we think. Paul could start more churches, you know, if he wasn't tied up in these chains. He could raise up more leaders if he wasn't tied up in these chains, if he wasn't confined. He could probably help heal some people if he wasn't tied up in these chains. But here's what he does. He looks at the thing that seems to be holding him back and he says, I didn't choose this. I didn't want to be here. I don't like this prison. I hope God gets me out of it. I'd like to be with you, but I'm making a choice. And if you think about this from the Philippian church's perspective, I mean, they, they would have been so excited to get some news from Paul, right? I mean, they had been waiting to hear what's been happening to him, what he's been doing. They were looking for a status update and they didn't have social media. They didn't have Instagram, didn't have Facebook. They didn't even have TikTok back then. <laughs> they didn't have any of that stuff. And so they get this letter, they're overjoyed. And so Paul, he starts this letter. It's like, greetings, grace and peace to you. I'm thankful for you. I'm praying for you. Like he's kind of building up the suspense in this letter. And just when he's getting ready to tell them what has happened to him, I mean, they must have read this and been shocked to only get like half a verse about his situation. Paul's like, yeah, it's true. You might have heard I'm in chains, but he doesn't spend the entire letter on that. Instead, he wants to teach them a different principle. He, he shifts and he says, let me tell you what I see happening. And on one level, I mean, he doesn't really know what's going to happen. Like he's awaiting trial. He could be put to death in this moment. He doesn't know what the future holds. They might kill him. He's not sure about that part. But I want you to notice his frame of mind over these next 10 verses, starting with verse 18. He says, the word will, which tells us that he's shifting now. Yeah. He spent enough time talking about what has happened that he can't control, can't do anything about that. I've acknowledged it, but now I'm moving forward. I want to tell you what will happen. I want to tell you what I do see. And if you're watching online, I want you to count with me the number of times he uses this word will in these next 10 verses. Every time I say, just count with me in the chat, just put it down. All right. It says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Verse four, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy 
in the faith so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Now, if you counted 10, you counted right. Everybody count 10? I hope so. Otherwise, I can't count. (laughs) He doesn't say maybe. He says will. Doesn't say what has happened. He says will because he has vision. He says in verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope. Now, What's interesting, this word, eagerly expect and hope, when you look it up in the Greek, it's not two words. It's actually one word. But this this one word is really interesting because this one word is made up of three words and it's only listed twice in the Bible. Paul is the guy who uses it both times. So the guy, I mean, he's confined in this house arrest in chains. He makes up his own words. You know some of you are doing this right now. And, and, and this is what he says. Paul, he takes these three words. He puts them together to describe uh, the, the kind of vision that you need when you find yourself confined in a situation like this. And, and this is what it means. This word, it means to turn away with concentration, ignoring other interests. So he's saying like, look, I'm in this situation where when I look to my left and I look to my right and I look around at the chaos and the confusion and the confinement. Uh, That's what I see. So instead of looking at that, I turn my head away with purpose, ignoring what I could focus on. And I'm going to focus on what's over here. I'm going to focus on my future. I'm not going to focus on what's surrounding me. I'm going to focus on the purpose that's in front of me because what this takes now is vision. Now, There are some things you've been giving your attention to that if you would turn your attention away from them, you would take the power away from them. Now, you might not know what's going to happen next, but through the eyes of faith, you can have vision for a good future. And that's why the last thing I want to tell you is so important. It's what this takes now is courage. What this takes now is courage. Because you see, Faith will change your interpretation. Vision will change your anticipation. But only courage will get you to your destination. In verse 20, I want to look at it again. Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. I eagerly expect and hope that I have sufficient courage. See, courage is what moves you from watching to working, from being a spectator to a participator. And I bring that up because we live in a culture where we want God to do all the work. And I understand that because like naturally in our world, everything is geared towards us. I mean, we're very self-absorbed because just naturally, like we have targeted ads, right? Targeted Facebook ads. We, We have Google is making suggestions for us. Right. Netflix is making recommendations for us. Spotify is giving you your playlist. I mean, our world, especially online, caters to us. Now, that's great. I'm not against any of that. I think that's awesome. But if we're not careful, 
will walk around with this attitude that it's just about me. And God wants us to step out from just seeing the things that we want to see and start being the example that he wants us to be. I love this verse in Ephesians. I want to read it to you. In Ephesians, it's also written by Paul. And I want you, it's written to a different church. I want you to notice what it says in Ephesians 2, verse 6. He says, for he raised us up, talking about Jesus, from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Verse 7 says, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. See, this is the time right now for us to be the church like never before. God, God wants to use you like an example. God wants to point to you as an example of what he can do through a life that is surrendered to him for the people who are coming behind you. I don't know, some of you feel like so far from that, like how could God use me, especially right now? But you can't use that as an excuse. See, I believe God wants to use our church to be an example right now, like never before. There are many people who need it. And he's not just going to use me preaching. He is going to use you. He's going to use you right there on the other side of the screen on the chat. See, the greatest limiting factor isn't the things that are beyond your control. Our greatest limiting factor is really what we believe. And here's what I want to tell you. No matter what it looks like right now, no matter what you're facing, God wants to move in your life. He wants to grow you in this season. He wants to develop you. And what it takes now for God to move in our community and in our world, what it takes now is you. So I want to ask you and I want to challenge you. Will you be a part of reaching your community for Jesus? Will you be a part of spreading the gospel online? Will you be a part of building his kingdom where you're at? You didn't ask to be here. You didn't plan on being here, but you're here now. Will you choose to see how God can use it even in this moment? If that's you, I want to pray with you. And we have people on our team right now who will pray with you privately. If you need prayer, you can reach out on the chat. But for everybody who's here, I want to say a general prayer. Would you bow your head with me? Even just on the screen, just bow your head and let's pray. God, I thank you for this word that's gone forth. And Lord, I know that you want to speak to people's hearts. I know that you want to use them in this moment and you want to help them, God, to see how you can use them right now. And what it takes now to be used by you, God, is faith. What it takes now to be used by you, God, is vision. And what it takes now is courage. Didn't ask to be here, but we're here, so God, use it. Didn't plan on being here, but we're here, so God, use it. God, give us creative ideas. God, I want to pray for each person who, who really finds themselves in a struggle right now. They're worried about their business. That They're worried about their savings, their retirement. They're worried about their resource. That They're worried about food in their pantry. God, let us be a church that rises up and demonstrates what you can do now that this can actually be an advancement for the gospel, that our roots can grow deep. Thank you, God, that you will use it. You'll work in each person's life. In Jesus' name, amen.
I want to give one more invitation while we're still in this moment of prayer. And you might be tuning in, watching us online for the first time. Maybe you got invited here by a friend and you are far from God and you know it. Maybe the crisis and the situation that the world is in has you really questioning a lot of things and even your future. Right now, you need hope. Right now, you need faith. Right now, you need some vision, some courage. It would be my honor to lead you in a prayer. Scripture says that God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins so that you didn't have to question your future. You didn't have to be separated from him, but that you could know him intimately and personally. And if you know that you're far from God, you want to make that decision to trust in him. Here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm just to ask that you would join me in this prayer. Scripture says when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and he didn't stay dead, but he got up from the grave. That when you say that, that's how you're saved. It's not magic words, it's faith-filled words. So right now, right where you're at, would you pray with me? You can repeat after me. Just say something like this. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my need for you. I recognize that you died on the cross for me. I'm asking you to forgive me. Come into my life. Make me right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, congratulations. That is the best decision you can make. You got some people here that are cheering you on, that love you. Do me a favor, click the I Accepted Christ button right below. We love you, and we can't wait to see you next week. Velocity, can we-